welcome to another exciting, incredible episode of 30 Days of Hope. I am so excited and blessed that you have allowed us to come into your household, grab your cell phones, come into your life, and truly have this experience and community with us for these 30 days. So today, I am so excited to talk to a really good friend of mine. So grab that water, grab the coffee, grab that glass of wine, and join us for an incredible awesome. conversation of 30 Days of Hope. So welcome, Nathan Thompson. Hey, how you doing, hey. Colleen? It's so good to be with you here today. Great this to is see exciting. you again. I know, I know. Yes. It's, this is fun. I've been seeing a little bit of what you've been posting, and it looks great. It's great to see so much great positive content that's coming out that's really encouraging people. So thank you so much for doing this. and being consistent with this is awesome <laughs> it's been exhausting you can't see like the little baggies underneath your eyes <laughs> I, I can imagine i can imagine uh, but no this is great thank you so much for doing this no definitely thanks so much and it's been so incredible because to me it's like hearing hope from all over the world and all over the country and just seeing how everybody's experiencing differently yeah. now a little bit about you so you are the teaching and online pastor at liquid church Yes. Unless you've been under a rock, you kind of have heard about this church. So <laughs> tell us a little bit about your position and what you do. Sure. Uh, I mean, a little bit about Liquid Church. Yeah. Uh, Liquid's been a church since 2007. We are called a, we're known as a multi-site church. So in normal circumstances, we have seven locations. Okay. Uh, we are one church in many locations. That's kind of been like uh, our thing. And um, yeah, my role as a teaching pastor when I first came on almost five years ago was to assist Pastor Tim Lucas in our preaching teaching ministries. Um, when he's not preaching, I preach. Um, I write our material for our group guides and our group discussions. Um, and I coach our campus pastors when they preach live yeah. at various uh, times of the year. And about two years ago, actually almost three, I took over as our church online pastor, kind of overseeing our online ministries um, and um, kind of our, our, our minister, our face, our, our, our environment on Facebook and um, the, our church online website. Basically. Nice, nice. And, and if, if you've seen it out there and we're going to post all the different links, it really has a great just transition and really draws you in, um, which is hard to do, especially, you know, especially now. Yeah. I think one of the most amazing things is when, when I was going to seminary and I'm sure with you, we never had a class that talked about Pandemic 101 and how to pastor <laughs> through this. Right, right, right. What's it been like to actually, you know, go through baptism by fire, per se, and just sort of figure out, how do I handle this? Yeah, you know, when this all first happened, um, it's funny, because I think that was the week I was lined up to preach. Yeah. And uh, we literally canceled you know, what we do is we actually do a recording every Thursday. It's, it's like our backup in case something happens and we stream our services to our campuses. And that's when I found out Thursday morning, hey, guess what? Today's, today's recording is it. That's, this is church. Wow. <laughs> and so, you know, when that's the case, you know, a little bit more pressure. You really got to make sure things are tight and things are cohesive. And, you know, at first we were thinking, oh, my gosh, like, how are we going to make church happen? Like, you know, yeah. how are we going to do this thing online? And I think at first we thought this was the crisis. Okay, how do we make everything go online? Um, and then uh, Pastor Tim and our leaders, they kind of sat the staff down through Zoom and basically said to us, guys, this isn't the crisis. Mm. You know, this is not the crisis. The crisis is coming. The crisis is when the pandemic hits its peak and people are suffering and people are dying and people are struggling, you know, health workers are struggling with PTSD. That is the crisis. And, and that's what we're seeing, Colleen, right now. Right now, it's still ramping up. You yeah. know, we're in New Jersey. This is the crisis. 
you know, we were looking six weeks ago, we were thinking, oh my gosh, how are we going to make online church happen? We were freaking out, but that wasn't, that wasn't the crisis. Yeah, no. This is, yeah, this is the crisis. Yeah. How do we care for our church and our staff and our communities? And so I think what was helpful is, you know, they walked us through, okay, listen, right now we need to pause and we need to pivot. Mm-hmm. And now we need to start planning and preparing to care for the folks that will be experiencing this pandemic. Yeah. And so I think early, early on, um, I think our leadership cast some very good vision just in terms of, hey, this isn't the crisis. The crisis mm-hmm. is coming. When, you know, for a lot of us, we're just trying to figure out how do we figure out church online yeah. and training volunteers and redeploying our staff. But I think that was really important because mm-hmm. it gave us the perspective like, okay, we need this is tough, but it's going to get tougher for a lot of people. Yeah, definitely. I, I know what you mean. To me, it's like when, whenever, but when people ask me, well, how are you doing? My first answer is I'm surviving. Yeah. And it's so different compared to New York and New Jersey because we are in the thick of it. I mean, we're, we're looking at the numbers, we're waiting, but it must've been so empowering to have that freedom of not worrying about the technology so much, but the goal was the people. And so you had that chance to try new things, kind of figure it out as you went and sort of just go with it. So what, right. what was it like that first week of trying, okay, I'm, I'm going to try something completely new and then there it is. Yeah, I would say the first week it was just, um, it was just, it was just running on adrenaline. Yeah. Uh, we're basically updating everything. So, you know, we, you know, when we were doing church online, I had um, three or four volunteers and really, we would only get maybe 100 people per service, okay. which still, you know, it's not terrible. Yeah. Um, and then we'd have about another 1,000 or two that would watch On Demand throughout the week. Um, now, we literally had 5,000 people. Our church is about 5,000. Uh, so we had five to 6,000 people that were now watching online. So we had to retool everything. Mm-hmm. We had to train up volunteers. We had to actually start documenting our training processes. Uh, and our system so that we could actually train and get people on board as fast as possible. So the first, I think, week or two was rough. Um, I don't think anyone, we all worked for almost 24 hours a day, nonstop, just getting everything ready. Um, And, you know, we've got a great team. We have an amazing team um, that is behind the scenes and in front of the scenes that made things happen. So while we're trying to make church happen technologically wise, our pastoral staff is, is basically caring for people. They're calling all of the elderly in our church. They're calling those that are health compromised. We have a big special needs uh, community yes. in our church. Yeah. So we were checking in with them and their families, mm-hmm. making sure everything, everyone was okay, seeing how we could help. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we partnered with Convoy of Hope. And so we had another team that was kind of working with Convoy of Hope who dropped off 26,000 pounds of relief supplies at our broadcast campus that people could come and pick up or we could deliver to their homes, which is what we're doing right now. Perfect. That's great. And it really, I love the idea that you talked about the idea of partnership, because I think a lot of the times, you know, especially small churches, they feel like they're, they're in the middle of the nowhere. They don't have the resources. They don't have the tools. And this is the perfect time to really reach out, you know, see who's in your neighborhood, see who's in your community and say, look, I need help with this. How can we partner? And there's, there's this synergy that's happening, Mm -hmm. which is so exciting. Yeah. And one of the things when we partner with Convoy of Hope um, is we basically have been saying to other churches, hey, listen, you know, we have a regional presence. And so we have all this stuff. It's not just for us. We're not just going to hoard it for ourselves. You know, we want to make sure our congregation is taken care of, but we want to make sure that you can care for your church. And so a lot of smaller churches have reached out to us and we're sharing supplies. Other ministries have reached out to us. We're sharing um, what we have so that we can help impact other people in the region. So it's definitely a kingdom thing that's happening. It's not just a liquid church thing. 
Yeah. Yeah. That, that's pretty exciting to me, especially being in New Jersey and just seeing all the churches work together. Um, yeah. It's like, all right, this is, this is hopeful. It's encouraging. What to everybody watching, especially for those that are business leaders or pastors or even like entrepreneurs that are just getting started, what would be some software that you could would recommend or even some resources that you find helpful to take what you were doing and then put it online? Yeah, I mean, I can only speak from the church context. Um, yeah. Life Church out in Oklahoma, they created this, um, I don't even know what they call it. We call it a platform. It's called Church Online Platform. Okay. It's free. You can go to Life, you can go to Open Dot uh, Church, I think. That's where it is. And it's called Church Online Platform. You can download the whole thing. It's free. And we basically stream into it. And it gives you the capabilities to have like an online chat. You can um, give your leaders like little tags so people know that they're leaders. You can stream your video so people can watch the message and all these other kind of features to it. Um, and we were using two streaming services. We, tr we, we started off with Stream Monkey, which was a great service. I can't speak highly of them. And we just transitioned to Living as One. And uh -huh. Living as One's phenomenal. All of our campuses, we've been streaming our videos to them for years. And so now we switched to their church online profile um, or uh, platform. And that's been a great resource for us just in terms of streaming. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's uh, dependable and it's helpful. So those are two um, big pieces I would highly recommend, as well as YouTube and Vimeo. Those are all great as well. But for us, we, we can use something like um, Living as One and it, we can schedule everything and minimizes human error and goes out to Facebook, uh, our church online platform, and even YouTube. Nice. Oh, that's perfect. So I'm like jotting all the different uh, notes down and sure, <laughs> copying sure. it. Yeah. What I think a lot of the times, you know, we talk about the positive and we always want to lean to the positive, but I'm sure there's been some really big struggles and some cons as well as the pros. What, what has been like the downfall of having church online compared to face-to-face? -face? Yeah. You know, it's funny because uh, for the longest time, um, I was basically trying to advocate for church online and here's what's so great about it. Um, now, since we're all online, I don't have to do that part, but it is interesting kind of seeing what are the limitations of online. Mm -hmm. So for instance, I think one of the things that we're all realizing is you can't do grief, uh, mm -hmm. online. You know, yeah. um, one of our pastors did the, his first virtual funeral the other day. Um, I'm seeing friends who are doing funerals of loved ones, family members, church members, and they've got a Facebook live it because people can't come they can't so grieving you can't do online that's a face-to-face -face, uh thing and, and also just i think sharing things hugs holding one another those are all things that you can't do in an online space and even as a church online pastor um that's never the goal the goal isn't to get people online the goal is how do we create connection mm -hmm. uh before all this happened i was working with a guy down in florida and he had a group of other guys that he was meeting with about 40 guys yeah. and they were watching our church online and the goal was we want you guys watching it together talking about it together doing life together and if this content is helping you move forward in your faith then we want you to keep doing that um, so the goal is never for church online. If you talk to any church online pastor, it's not just for everyone to be online and faceless, but it's actually to move people to face to face. Mm. And it, it really does grieve me that we can't even have that option right now. Yeah. I think we've done really well with Zoom. Like we're connecting with people. The other night we're, we're hanging out with family members through Zoom, like playing mm. games together with Jackbox <laughs> TV, stuff like that. New normal. Yeah. So you're seeing you can do so much, but I still think that life on life thing, grieving, celebrating milestones you can't do that virtually that's got to be face to face and i think also too one of the things that i think we're missing is the idea of uncomfortability 
Mm. And there's that yeah, part yeah, yeah. of it. To me, it's like when, when that, that silent pause that you have between friends, that, that time of getting to know someone where not everything is positive. I mean, sometimes those arguments actually built that, that good friendship. Yep. You know that you've gone through the thick and the thin of it. So when you have those face-to-face interactions, it really makes it more real, more raw, and more authentic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Definitely. I love the fact that you talk a little bit about, like I read one of your latest blog posts, and you talk about how the American church has a very difficult time lamenting. Hmm. Why yeah. do you think that is, and how can we, how can we change that? Yeah, I think, you know, as Americans, this is probably more of an American ideal than a Christian yeah. ideal, is we are triumphalistic as a culture. We are rugged individualists. You know, we believe that the individual can accomplish anything and everything. And look how successful it's made us. I mean, you look yeah. at capitalism, bigger is better. We can modify it. We can grow it. And, and so I think because of that kind of triumphalistic um, focus, Whenever bad things happen, we want to run quickly to how are we going to fix this? Uh, how are we going to make this better? How are we going to improve on this? Like, how are we going to find the opportunity in this? Which, by the way, I don't think is bad. But I think there needs to be a place where we need to pause, hit the pause button and actually say, what am I feeling right now? Mm-hmm. Like, there is loss that I'm experiencing. There is, for some folks in our congregation, it's a loss of income. It's a loss of loved ones. For some of us, it's the loss of our routines. It's the loss of the things that we love that give us life. I mean, when the parks closed in New Jersey, that was like a death blow to our family. <laughs> we're like, oh, and I think we want to move too quickly. Mm. You, know, it's, you, know, you know, I think, you know, the analogy is like, you know, Good Friday, we celebrate the death of Jesus, which is this dark, depressing mm-hmm. time. And then Easter Sunday is when we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. It's a party. It's a triumph over yeah. death. But we want to rush from Good Friday to get to the resurrection as soon as possible. Mm. And we forget there was that really awkward Saturday where the disciples literally, they didn't know how this was going to end. No, no. And I think what's so hard is we want to give people hope, which I think is important. We need Mm -hmm. to give people hope. But we have to hope in the right things. And we, we we have to hope in a Savior who was crucified. He was dead and he was buried. And out of that death and burial comes resurrection. Mm. And I think when we try to divert that, when we try to hide from that, when we try to go too quickly, we lose something. Mm. And so that's why, you know, right now we're kind of encourage people to, you know, befriend your emotions. You know, it's okay to grieve. It's okay to cry. It's okay to be angry. Um, Anger is good. You know, Mm -hmm. these are things that we need to allow to have healthy vent Mm. um, in order for us to find healing and the hope that Jesus is offering us in the midst of that. Yeah. And it gives us it gives us this gift of empathy because I think a lot of the times if we don't allow ourselves to grieve if we don't allow our, ourselves that time to lament yeah. we're so big on overcoming the problem is we're not really being used as vessels there's nothing right. out of us that's really giving to others we're really mm-hmm. pushing them aside and saying look you're you're in my way from overcoming <laughs> yeah, and yeah yeah from this capitalist personality mm-hmm. instead of this compassionate person. That's really good. You know, N.T. Wright came out with a great article in Time Magazine. Mm -hmm. Um, You should definitely include a link there. Well, he basically said, um, you know, it's one of those provocative titles. I forget what it is exactly, but he goes, what's Christianity's answer to the coronavirus? Nothing. And it's never meant to have one, Mm -hmm. which is really emotionally dissatisfying if you don't understand the Christian story, which is, again, going back to this idea that, listen, we need to be in this place of death, darkness, confusion. The Psalms Mm -hmm. call it disorientation, right? And the only way we come out of disorientation is through reorientation, 
Yeah. And the way the psalmist describe it is you plucked me out of the mire and you plucked me out of the mud and you put my put me on solid rock. My concern is we want to take ourselves out of there that place too quickly, which mm-hmm. is normal. Who wants to just kind of sit in pain? Yeah. But when we do that, we miss out on God's deliverance and the stories of how he brought us out. And the truth is, even if we try to deliver ourselves, it's still not satisfying because there's still that work that God is doing mm-hmm. that, that he needs to kind of do inward and, and thoroughly do in us. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that brings us to our next point too, because I think, you know, as, as, as fellow pastors, you know, I, I think we're very much so big on productivity. We're very much on, you know, loving others. How do we actually love God and then push it forth? There's mm-hmm. a reactionary step to our, to our madness per se. Um, but I think in the same sense, we don't allow it to change us. And what are some ways that you believe that this coronavirus, that this pandemic is not only changing the structure and kind of like the personality of the church, but how is it changing us as pastors and leaders, especially within the Christian faith? Yeah, I think it's making us pause. Mm. It's definitely making us stop because literally you can't do all the things that you were doing that were making you grow. And and for many, you know, uh, I don't know if you guys, if your audience knows the Enneagram, but I know our Enneagram threes are struggling right now. <laughs> Trying I'm to get a three. You're a three? So <laughs> yeah. I'm, a, I'm a seven. Um, and so I know that it's a time where we thrive on getting things done, moving the ball mm-hmm. forward. Now we can't move the ball forward. We don't know what direction the ball is going to be. We don't know. There's so much we don't know. And I think what this is doing for many people is, okay, what we do know is we know that our God is good, mm-hmm. even when life is not. And so we are going to make steps towards him. And so I think for a lot of our Christian leaders, I'm encouraging people I talk with, enter those times of silence and solitude. Yeah. Find good people that you can connect with. Um, I'm on a Marco Polo with a couple friends of mine. That's been super helpful. Marco Polo is like an app, like you can record quick videos and stuff. That's been Great. life-giving. Yeah. Um, you know, times with family has been really, mm-hmm. really good. You know, now, you know we've got uh, two kids that were, my wife is a teacher. And so we're trying to homeschool our kids. Yeah. And, and care, but then also saying, all right, I'm going to put away my work for yeah. a couple of hours. So, you know, like, like today, like, you know, no one can tell I'm like sweaty and smelly because I was just doing yard work. But like, I was out there with my kids outside just doing some work saying, yep. there's so much more to do. In fact, I got to jump in for another service in a little bit. Yep. There's so much that we can do, but I'm going to say, no, I'm going to pause because, you know, mm-hmm. we could literally work from 6am to 6pm and let's say, I need to stop so I can spend time with my family. with my friends, with people Mm -hmm. that, you know, are life-giving. And so I think what this is making pastors do is really kind of take a reevaluate what's really important. Is it taking the next hill or is it taking care of myself so that I can take Mm -hmm. care of others better? Definitely. Well, Nathan, this has been great. Thanks so much for being with us. And for those watching, I mean, I know we talked a lot about Christian leadership, but whether you come from a, a variant form of faith or a non-faith perspective, all these things are practical to you. Every single one of us needs to have that time of introspection, lament, and just honesty. And the more that we're honest to ourselves, the more that we're able to be honest to God or even to each other. And that's really going to hold us through to make it through this journey. So thanks so much for joining me to 30 Days of Hope. I will see you tomorrow night at 9 p.m. Yeah.